Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Above all, and in this series, we've been looking at all the different miracles that Jesus did. We are doing that because when we see what he did, we see who he is. And this is phenomenal because we've realized that he is a God who is above all other things. He is the God who is above everything. He is above all. And we have this confidence in who he is because he is above all and what he is able to do through to us, we realize that we too can rise above our circumstances. So I want you to go to John chapter 11, the 11th chapter of John, and we're continuing on with a teaching that I started two weeks ago. We got to the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus, and I really just decided to stop, pause, and just rest on that miracle and to soak that in. So go with me to John chapter 11, verses 17 through 29, and it reads as follows. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Now, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to pay their respects and console Mary and Martha on their loss. Now, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to go and meet him. But Mary, she stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I ask that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said, yes, when everyone else rises on resurrection day. You know, she thought she had the answer. She goes, I know, I know. He's going to rise on the resurrection day. But Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life for believing in me, and they will never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she left him and returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought. Four days dead. Four days dead. Come on, let me lead you in a prayer right there where you're at. Father, we thank you for the moments that we are sharing right now. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to gather once again. We're doing it virtually and in our homes, Father, but we are receiving what you have for us today. My prayer right now, Father, is that for everyone that is watching this online, that they would block out every distraction and focus in on what you are saying. I pray for open hearts, open minds, and open spirits to receive, God, all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen, four days dead. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoy doing and, 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 and what I really feel God has led me to do in this season during this pandemic is, is find some young men and just pour into them, just, just the young people. I've also really enjoyed bringing in our young adults into our gatherings. And when we record, I'm speaking to a room full of young adults and I've just felt like God has mandated that I just share 
with this young adult generation lessons from my life and what I am hearing from him about this generation. I was doing that recently. It was actually just last week. I was having coffee with a young man and I was asking him, you know, what's your five-year plans? And I was listening. And I was so encouraged because he was saying all the right things. And for a moment, I got a glimpse of me on the other end of that coffee table. You see, when you're 39 years old, you do start to get those flashbacks of what your 20-something-year-old self used to say and do. So, so there I am having coffee. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to what it was like to be in his shoes and I began to tell him, you know, I love the fact that you've got a five-year plan. I love the fact that you know what you want to do and where you want to be. But, but, but just leave some space in there for what God wants to do. Because I've shared with some of you my story that, you know, we launched Lighthouse Church a year ago. I was 38 years old. But I thought, you know, my plans were to launch a church in my 20s. But that wasn't God's timing for my life. He actually sent me out into the corporate world. And he shaped me out in the corporate environment. And I actually came back to the church, I think, better refined and, and better prepared to lead a church. And that was all of God's plan. So, so I didn't experience what I wanted to experience on my schedule. But how many know that God's ways are above our ways? How many know that, that God's thoughts are above our thoughts? And so I'm experiencing them the way that Jesus wanted me to experience it. I say all that because there's some of that in the text. So, so let me take you into the text, John chapter 11. Like I said, we've been in this for the last two weeks. I'd encourage you to go back and watch last week's message and the one before that to get the full foundation of everything that we are going to be talking about today. But when we left off in our text last week, Jesus was supercharging his disciples. Why was he supercharging them? Because Jesus' friend Lazarus was dead and Jesus needed to go back to Judea in order to see about Lazarus and to pray for him. At the time that Jesus found out about him, he, he, he didn't know that he was dead. He only knew that he was sick. But as the story went on, Lazarus would eventually die. But when Jesus tells his disciples, we've got to go back to Judea, the disciples, they wanted to avoid Judea. The last place they wanted to go was Judea. Because the last time they were in Judea, they tried, this is the religious leaders, they tried to kill Jesus. They tried to stone him. And, and, and Jesus barely got away. And so the disciples told him, you know, if we go back there, they're going to try to kill you again. And, and we don't want you to be killed. And so they, they pleaded with Jesus, we shouldn't go. But Jesus pepped up his disciples. He, 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 he riled them up like a coach making halftime adjustments in a game. And so they're fired up and they're supercharged and they're on their way back to Judea. And, and the disciple Thomas, he, he, he said this and we hit it last week. He said, come on, let's go with Jesus and we're going to go die with him. They were, they were so on fire to follow Jesus back to Judea. Now, now when they arrive, here's what happens. When they arrive to Judea, we learn that Lazarus has been dead for four days. Okay, not one, not two, not three, but four days. Now, the reason that's inserted by the writer John, the reason I believe that he counted those days down is because there was this religious group of Jewish uh, believers that were called the Sadducees. And the Sadducees had this belief that after a person died, the spirit would remain hovering above the body for three days. Just three days. On the fourth day, the spirit would go. And so I believe that John paid careful attention to insert the amount of days as a way of telling the Sadducees, listen, uh, Lazarus wasn't just dead. He was like dead, dead. <laughs> okay. He was dead four days. All right. So the spirit is already gone. And, and so this is where we pick up in our text. And when Jesus arrives in Bethany, 
The Bible tells us quite the scene had already started to unravel because the mourners had come up from Jerusalem and they were there to mourn with Mary and with Martha. And now this is where the great conflict happens because Jesus is on his way to, to Bethany. He, he's coming to the home of Lazarus to heal him. You see, Jesus is coming in with hope, but he's met by people who are without hope. There's this, there's this budding, if you will, of, of Jesus coming here to do a work and the mourners that are meeting him, they're saying, it's too late, Jesus. It's too late. You, you had your chance, but you didn't get here soon enough. And, and here's the first thing that I want you to write down for those of you that are taking notes at home. Don't grieve over what God is not done with. I'm going to say that again. Don't grieve over what God is not done with. When Mary and Martha reached out to Jesus, they reached out to him out of desperation. They were desperate that Jesus would come and heal their brother Lazarus. And so they, they reached out to him. They, I, I, I'm sure that, that when they reached out to him, that was like their last ditch attempt. This, that was their, their last chance to, to get Lazarus to be seen by Jesus because Mary and Martha were Jesus followers. I am positive that they did not want to trouble the master. They knew that he was out doing the will of his father. And so Mary and Martha, when they finally reached out to Jesus, it was a move of desperation. Let me just insert this right now. This, this isn't my main point, but it is a point. Desperation moves God. Let's say that again. Desperation moves God. The Bible is packed with stories, men and women who were greatly afflicted. And every time they came in, they bore their soul before God and moved him. It's like the woman whose daughter was demon possessed. And Jesus said, I've not come for you, woman. She's a Gentile woman. He said, I've come to feed bread to the children. Only, and she said, but the dogs under the children's table, they get the crumbs that fall on the floor. It was a desperate act, but it moved God when the woman with the issue of blood, she crawled her way through the crowd to just touch the hem of his garment. That was an act of de desperation, but it moved God into action. So, so God is coming into Bethany because once again, there is a desperate act that has brought him here. But when he arrives at Bethany, they've moved from desperation to grief. They, they, they've gone to some hope that if Jesus would just come to now, there is no hope. And in their minds, there was nothing left to do but to mourn. But can I tell you that when you've got God, you can never be counted out. Can I tell you that you can never count out God? I don't care how bad the situation is. I don't care how bleak the situation may be. I don't care how dire the circumstances. You can never count God out. Come on, light up the comments section right now with some clap hands emojis or some hands that are raised. You can't count on God. He's not done with you until he says that he is done with you. And as long as you're living, you've still got hope. And as long as you're willing, there's still a way out. So Mary and Martha, they moved, may have moved on, but do you want to know who didn't move on? Jesus. Jesus had not yet moved on. And, 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 and that led me to take you to my next point. Do not bury what God is not done with. 
Do not bury what God is not done with. So, so here's something else that you need to understand. Mary and Martha, when they buried their brother, watch this now. When they buried their brother, they did not just bury their brother, but they also buried God's word into the tomb. Come on now. I'm getting excited about it. It's just me and you, and I'm all excited thinking about this. Because they they buried God's word. Write this down. Don't bury God's word. Because God said this. He, Jesus said this. He said, Lazarus, he's, his sickness will not end in death. He told them, Lazarus is not going to end in death. But when they put Lazarus in the tomb, they were basically saying, sorry, but that word that you already spoke, it don't count. He's in the tomb. But, but you need to know that you cannot bury God's word because we know that God is not a man that he should lie. He will accomplish everything that he sets out to do. So if God said Lazarus is not going to die and they stuck him in the tomb anyway, they were burying the word of God that had been spoken over their life. And there are too many people in the church that have received a word from God, but you've buried that word. You've put it in a tomb and you've rolled the stone over the face of the tomb. Too many of you received a word that God was going to do something to you and through you and you've buried that word. You can't bury what God is not done with you. You have got to learn to hold on to the words that God gives you. See, I grew up in the old church, old enough where we would use a phrase that we'd say, you've got to tarry at the altar. How many of y'all old enough, come on, through that hand up emoji, how many old enough and remember when you would have to tarry at the altar or when they would say at the church, you have to tarry at the altar. And that word tarry is a powerful word because it means to remain. It means to remain or to stay. And, and, and I like that visual because we have got to remain connected to the word that God speaks over our life. We have got to remain connected to the word that God speaks over our life because everything in this world changes so fast. Come on, how many know we live in this uh, generation where everything changes so fast? You're just getting used to your iPhone and it's time for the upgrade, right? <laughs> uh, you, you're just getting used to your latest software revision. Oh, and it's time for an upgrade. You're just getting used to your platform and oh, it's time for an upgrade. And if you're not careful, You'll start living your faith out like that and, and you'll be asking God, what's next for my life? And God's saying, you've not done the last thing that I've asked you to do. You've not been faithful to the last word, to the thing that I've called you to do, and you're trying to move on to next. And God's like, I'm still here in the now. I'm still connected to this word, but you have got to stay connected to his word. The last thing you want to do, especially in this season, is to bury a word that God has given you over your life. Mary and Martha, they didn't just bury their brother, but they took the word that God had given them that it would not end in death, and they put the word in the tomb as well. So when Jesus catches up with Martha, an event, we read Jesus' conversation with Martha and Mary's conversation with Jesus was much like Martha's. Jesus um, gets there, and, and they got a little attitude in them. You know, I talked about that. Mary and Martha, they, they, got a little bit of, they got a little bit of sass in them. Martha says to him, Jesus, had you been here? She was saying, had you just been here? She was like, you could have healed my brother. So she had this, uh, she was talking about the past. And then she goes on to say, 
But I know that my brother is going to rise again in the resurrection. I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection. Now she's talking about the future. Here's the deal. Mary and Martha, they both said the same thing. And what that meant was they had faith for the past and faith for the future, but they did not have faith for the present. They believed in the past. Had you been here? They believed in, been, they believed in if in the future this is going to happen. But, but they didn't have any faith for the here and the now and what God was going to do now that he had arrived. Can I say it a little differently? They had an expectation for their past and they had an expectation for their future. But Jesus was not going to be boxed into their expectations. You see, they had some expectations. Jesus, so you needed to be here. Jesus, it's going to happen again in the future. And here's the last thing that I want you to write down. Don't box in Jesus. Don't box in Jesus. Well, I think that having a five-year plan and having a 10-year plan is good. You've got to be flexible when it comes to your plans with God. You, you've, you've got to be pliable. That, that, I like that word. Have y'all heard that word, pliable? I like that word. They use that word a lot with athletes that continue to play as they get beyond 35. There's something about 35. It's like, you know, 35 is your prime when it comes to your athletic ability. And after that, it's all downhill. And now that I'm 39 going on 40, 40 I can say a good amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nothing like 35. Uh, but, but listen, those, those older athletes, when I say old, I'm talking about 38, 39, they, they use that term. Are they still pliable? You know, they work on their pliability. They work on their flexibility. I, I like that word pliable. Because when I think about pliability, I get this image of us in the hands of God. Similar to Jeremiah 18 when the potter is in the hands of, uh, when the clay is in the hands of the potter. And when I think about pliability, I think about how that should be our life in the hands of God. Especially when it comes to our plans. Because we get so fixated on our plans and God's not bound by our timeline and God is not bound by our short-term goals. God is not bound by linear time. He's faithful to his word and time is cyclical in his eyes. And if you can stay pliable, then when things don't go the way that you expect it, you still have a confident hope that God is going to do in and through you what he said he would do. Stay pliable. Stay in his hands. Allow your plans to be shaped by the hands of our Father. I said earlier, I, I, I thought that I would have started a church in my 20s. You got so much more energy in your 20s. You got youth on your side. But God said, no, you're going to wait. You're going to wait till you're 38 years old, and then we're going to do this. And now here I am realizing that had I been hard and not pliable in the hands of God, I would not have seen the goodness of God in my life the way that I am seeing it today. And some of you, that's your story too. I'm talking about my story, because that's my story, but you've got your own story. And you know that you wanted God to do things in your life sooner than when he did it. But had he done it when you wanted, you can honestly look back and say, that would have broke me. I wasn't ready for it. I thought I was ready for it, but I wasn't ready for it. And I'm gonna take you into conclusion now. As we get ready to close out this story on Lazarus, and I'm actually going to come back one more week next week, and we're going to finish this off. I didn't mean to jump into a four-week mini-series within a series, uh, but this story on Lazarus is just so incredible. And so I want to highlight a few things that I said earlier. Number one, 
don't grieve over what God is not done with. Don't don't grieve over it. If God, you know, if, if God is not done with it, don't bury it too fast. Second thing I said, don't bury God's word. If he made you a promise, it will come to pass. If he said it will be done, it will be done. And lastly, don't box him in. Don't box him in. You know, so much of happiness and sadness and feelings is dependent on emotions and emotions are shaped by expectations. And so if you've got these crazy expectations that God has to perform on your schedule, you might be disappointed. But if you can take your life and say, God, I want to put my life into your hands as the clay is in the hands of the potter. I want to be pliable, God. I, I want to be able to pivot with you and move with you and transition with you and flow with you. Yeah, it would have been great for you to show up and raise Lazarus uh, while he was sick. But hey, if you're going to do it while he's dead, so be it. You said it would not end in death. So I want to pray for you right now. Those of you that are watching online, I really feel like there's some of you that are watching online that you're in the middle of a decision. You've got to make a big, big decision. And you're losing sleep over it. And you're wondering, God, where are you in the midst of this decision? I want to let you know to be pliable. I want to tell you, stay pliable. Stay in his hands. Trust in his plans. Know that he is for you. There's someone that is watching right now where you're frustrated with God because it didn't happen the way that you wanted it to happen. Just know that God is not done with you yet. If he gave you a promise, he will perform it. He, his word will not return to him void it will accomplish that which he set it out to do y'all ready to pray come on let's pray together father in the name of jesus i thank you for the moments that i've shared with everyone that is watching online god in and through this story of lazarus we see so much application that we can take and live out in our lives god i pray that you help us to be pliable in your hands i pray father that we would not be hard that we would not be hard-hearted that we would not be stubborn with your plans, but that we would lean in and trust all that you have for us. My prayer today, God, is for every person that is watching online that is facing a decision or for every person that is watching online who feels like their expectations haven't been met by you. Would you just comfort them? Would you just rest over them? Would your spirit just meet them wherever they are watching from? Let them know that you are not done with them yet. There is more that you want to do in and through them. And that you are faithful, faithful to perform according to your promises. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.